Hey guys, this is Liz Cambage. This is Nikki Collins. What up, guys? This is Epic Starkey. Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. What's up, WNBA Nation? It is a good day to record a podcast. I will tell you that right now. My name is Kyle Haywood, and I am joined tonight by my good friend Logan Jones. Logan, how are you doing tonight? I am here. Uh, I am fresh off the high of an Iowa-Kansas State finish, uh, if you want. Yes. The, the exact time that we're recording this on the night of <laughs> November 17th. Um, yeah, we, uh, we, we prolonged starting the podcast to see the end of that game. So the game, the game went zeros. We had to talk about it a minute and now, yeah. So, and that's, I mean, there's been so we're, we're like 11 days into the college basketball season in those 11 days. We've also had tons of stuff going on in the WNBA. So we got to cover a lot of ground today. This should be a good app. We really do. We have a ton to talk about. Obviously we've been pumping out a lot of content, um, with interviews. We've got, uh, I believe four of the five players uh in my top uh 2023 senior class so we've had Aliyah Boston, Haley Jones, Diamond Miller and uh we just had Jordan Horston on the show. Um I don't know if that's going to release before or after this episode, but it's coming. In fact, maybe I'll go look it up right now. <laughs> maybe I'll just check while we're here. And while I'm doing that, Logan, how about you give everybody the rundown on where they can follow us? Because I think that's pretty appropriate to share, especially right now. We always share it every episode, but right now is probably the best time that we could possibly make sure people have ways to stay in contact with us. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's a lot of fear around whether or not Twitter is going down in flames. Uh, I can't tell you whether it is or not, but there are a lot of ways that you can interact with us and contribute to our show and get to know us better and keep up with the news of women's basketball and all that, regardless of whether Twitter makes it out of this or not. So let's start with our website, WNBNation.com. Um, that's going to be your plug-in into everything else. It's got links to our episodes. We've got links to our blog. I will be updating the top 25 NCAA women's basketball power rankings uh, shortly. Um, so if you didn't read my preseason list, it'll have an updated list here at about the two week mark into the season. Kind of tough to do when, uh, everybody's, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's like everybody's injured. <laughs> well, everybody's injured or playing cupcake games, but then there's also like a couple colossal matchups, which we will talk about today. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, WNBAnation.com, you're going to be able to catch, uh, everything. I mean, if we, uh, we haven't done a Twitch stream in a while, but if, if we're on Twitch or if we're doing any sort of watch party, or if we have a new episode, you can find it all there. There's also our store link, um, which we really want to plug, especially now because um, we we really built a lot of our podcast following off the strength of uh, Twitter for a long time. Sports Twitter is kind of its own little universe. Um, and we want to make sure that we continue to grow as a show uh, and continue to provide the best women's basketball coverage we can. And one of the best ways to do that is for people who listen to us to share us with their friends. Uh, so... If you can leave a five-star review wherever you listen to our podcast or get yourself a Love the W mug or hoodie or just tell a friend about the show, um, that, I mean, moving forward, it looks like that's probably going to be the the thing. I mean, we we have a TikTok channel. 
Um, we're, we're getting some things like that off the ground. If you did participate in any of our watch parties this last WNBA season, you know, those are super fun, great way to interact with you guys. Uh, we, we have like a virtual stage where we can invite guests on. And, um, I just, we, we love doing that. We'll continue to be bringing you guys news updates, interviews, as Kyle said. Um, but we are a, uh, first and foremost, we are a podcast pod. Um, so no matter what <laughs> the social media landscape looks like, uh, you can always find us anywhere where you can get podcasts. Um, that's, I think that's the gist. We, we still, as of the time of this recording, you can also still find us on Twitter at WNBA Nation Pod. Um, so we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what the state of that is in a couple weeks. Um, but don't worry. We're not going anywhere. And hopefully, uh, Kyle have given you enough staggered time to to look up when that episode is yeah. coming out <laughs> no you're good you're good i don't think jason's got to edit it i would assume it's coming out potentially maybe the same day that we're planning on this we're gonna have to stagger this so that one comes out one day and one comes out the other day but uh yeah it'll be good i do want to throw one plug real quick while we have everybody's attention the if you're looking for an awesome gift to give someone for the upcoming holiday season please please just consider checking out um, our store, our merch site. If you go to WNBANation.com and just click on store, there are so many items in there that you can look to purchase. We've got everything from T-shirts to hoodies to mugs to backpacks, stickers, posters. I think uh, think we've you got tank tops. We've got kind of everything, whatever you possibly would want. There's face masks. And I'll just, I'll just say it right now. You need to spring for the premium hoodie. All right. The premium hoodie is what I wore tonight and it is so nice. It is beautiful. It is glorious. It's everything you could want in a hoodie. And, uh, so I'm just saying spring for that one. It's, it's worth the extra like three bucks or whatever. Um, so make sure you're checking that out. Um, but Logan. We've got a lot of other stuff to talk about, so thank you for making sure everybody's posted with where they can interact with us. Again, we will keep any of you posted as far as uh, social media goes, but check out our TikTok. We're going to be ramping up more and more content there. First of all, Logan, we got to talk about this lottery that just happened. Ooh, oh, let me yeah, tell you what. I got to get my hat. I know we're not on video, but I got to wear my hat. All right, <laughs> we're not fever. on video tonight. We're, we're talking Indiana fever. We're going fever, baby. Here we go. The Indiana Fever officially have been awarded. And it, been awarded sounds weird. I guess they've won a lottery. They've won the number one draft pick for the first time in their franchise history. Logan, <laughs> is that a surprising statement to make? It is. It's a it's a shocking statistic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but good for that. I mean, this is the this is the time to have it. Um, they we're going to talk about coaching changes league wide in a minute, but obviously they had a big culture change this last last season. If you if you didn't stay with us through uh, this last WNBA season and you're relatively new to the podcast, the Fever are actually one of the most young and interesting teams to follow. I think in the coming years, especially because they're about to probably land one of Aaliyah Boston or. I don't know who you'd take besides Aaliyah Boston, but this is a stacked class. Um, So, and and they're going to add that to a host of rookies that they just added last season who all seemed to pan out. Uh, I mean, they have, they have some, they're, they're cooking with some, some good ingredients up there in Indiana. 
Um, and I, there's going to be some big changes, obviously, free agency wise in the league that's going to alter the landscape, but they're one of the, the most interesting teams. Um, they, they finally admitted that Tamika Catchings, uh, not Tamika Catchings. Yeah. Tamika Catchings wasn't working out in the front office role. And so they, they've kind of made some changes from the top down. And now they have the number one pick for the first time in their history, despite having some pretty terrible seasons. Uh, yes. That's <laughs> the surprising part. That's, yeah. The, the kind of the running joke for WNBA fans for a long time is it's, it's sort of insane. They haven't had the number one pick before because they've been the worst team plenty of times. Um, yeah. but now I, I think, uh, I think they're really ready to turn some things around. I'm very excited for them. Um, I don't think it's like a bummer for probably Aaliyah Boston to be headed to Indiana. It's not like she's like, Oh, well that's going to destroy her career. Like, no, they're, they're building something there. They really are. We're going to see if the new coach they put in place is going to work, but I'm, I'm intrigued. I agree. I, I think the thing for me was in the past, I've been really like concerned, but after last year's draft, and honestly, even though they didn't win as many games as you would think, the fever were interesting for the first time, almost the first time since we've even been covering this entire league. All of a sudden, we, uh, all of a sudden, like Indiana became like fun and they were exciting and you could see promise and they weren't winning basketball games, but you saw that there was a, that you saw that there was a foundation being set. You know what I mean? Like it was, it, it was there and it was like, everybody was interested again in fever basketball when prior to that, it just seemed like just so meh. It, so I think, yeah, yeah if you're it in Boston, a place, you come in, it wasn't that? a place that you could land a free agent because it didn't look no, like no, they no. were even going anywhere. They didn't have a plan. They didn't have a trajectory to speak of. Now it feels like you might not get someone who's hunting for a ring at the end of their career, but you might actually be able to go out and do some things. Yes. Yeah, I think I think with the the Indiana Fever, when you take a look at who they've got right now, um like who's on the roster uh from last year's, you know, from from last year's team, who they who they picked up, they've got some real good future pieces. Nelissa Smith is the truth. She is absolutely the the real deal. Um, obviously Kelsey Mitchell is just ongoing and it's crazy to think that Kelsey Mitchell's only been in the, in the league for like four, is it four years, five years now? She's still pretty young as far as, as far as the league goes. Destiny Henderson's coming along. Emily Angstler, um, looks really solid. And Queen Egbo was Queen probably Eggbo, the most man. surprising, yeah. like player this season. Yeah, I mean, everyone you just mentioned, obviously we've got major love for Danielle Robinson, who was also there last year, which we'd love to see. Um, but yeah, the, the, we've always said on this show, Kelsey Mitchell's probably an all-star who just like doesn't get the opportunity to show what she can do. Uh, now she's kind of the, the senior leader of this team. As you said, she's in the prime years of her, her career. Um, we were all psyched for like the Emily Inksler and Destiny Henderson picks because we watched them in the final four last year and they were some really fun players. But like, I think Melissa Smith is really a game changer. Yes, yes. For them, that she she I think would have been an obvious rookie of the year candidate in many other seasons. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> in fact, she was still a candidate, I guess technically. But right, right, um, right. 
but potentially wins it on several other seasons that we've watched. Right. She, I mean, she has the goods. And then Queen Egbo, maybe I just love her because she was like the rock of my fantasy team this past season. <laughs> if you picked her in fantasy, solid, you were very happy. Yeah, she's such a solid addition. Yeah. And I, there's obviously lots of room for movement with this team, but you know, no one's making the big paycheck right now besides Mitchell. So they've, if they've got someone in charge who knows what they're doing and a coach who can get, you know, galvanize a young group, I think this is going to be a team that's excited about Aaliyah Boston joining the the roster in the coming year. Basically, everybody's going to be familiar with her because they all played together because they're all rookies and sophomores. Uh, it should be really fun. I'm happy. For I them. think I think you actually could have a you could have a really strong potential to land a big name free agent in the next one to two years. Because if you've got Nelissa Smith and you've got uh, Aaliyah Boston coming in, which is what we're just going to assume you've got Kelsey Mitchell as one of your backcourt um, queen Egbo, really solid, you know, could be that come off the bench. Then you've got Emily Angstler, who's just the, uh, like the Swiss army knife that can do a little bit of everything out on that kind of that three spot. I'm just picturing like a starting group of Kelsey Mitchell, Emily Angsler, Nelissa Smith, and Aaliyah Boston. And I like those four. And you bring in just one more player into that. You know, if you can land a kind of a bigger name, uh, another guard potentially, you could really have a strong, strong team in the Indiana Fever coming up. I think this is yep. such an intriguing team. I'm excited got, about them getting the number if, one pick. If you're if you're any sort of historian of women's basketball, they've got Lynn Dunn as their new GM who's yes. been in women's basketball for 50 years. I mean, she was a GM over in Seattle for a little while. She's won a bunch of games. I mean, no one I mean, sometimes it's good to go and get like young blood, new ideas, stuff like that. I, I think Indiana went the right direction with hiring Dunn and being like, look, nobody knows this business like you do get us a new direction and get us some wins. So I, I like all the changes they've made in the past year. I do too. Um, the, just to go through real quick, we didn't actually mention the rest of the, uh, uh, not important. The, no. <laughs> the rest of the, of the draft lottery. There are some other big, big teams uh, in this Minnesota <laughs> tanked just enough to end up with the number two pick, which is crazy Incredible. because Minnesota, Minnesota, <laughs> all they do is just, they're just a top four seed. It seems year in and year out. And can, including last year, they, can they I were just, kind of can I just mention a note on Minnesota? Yes. We, we joked like as a joke, uh, at the beginning of last season, like it would be hilarious oh, if they, if they had, you know, two decades of success and then just completely tanked one year to get a like Aaliyah Boston's about as can't miss of a prospect as you're ever going right. to get. And then immediately return to being contenders for the next 20 years. And that was like a ha ha. No, like, you know, they they can't be as bad as Indiana and you know, Atlanta, Atlanta, even LA, if they tried. Yeah. And, and here, and by the way, Atlanta has the reigning rookie of the year, Ryan Howard. They're, I think they're going to be okay, too. That's a discussion for yeah, a different yeah, yeah. day. But it's unbelievable to me that Minnesota just untracked itself that hard. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's crazy because they missed they missed the playoffs by exactly one game. They ended up in ninth place. Really, their record was tied with the Atlanta Dream. So they did just enough. And now they've landed the number two pick. And right now, I've got projected Haley Jones going number two. And I'm picturing this Minnesota Lynx squad 
with so many, with so many phenomenal players on this team, they went from kind of an aging core to now a young core, like instantly. And really this was the one year they probably are going to miss the playoffs and they're going to come away with somebody like Haley Jones and they're just going to be phenomenal. I feel like it's almost just, I feel like they've just, they've worked the system so well. They came in with the lowest odds and yet come away with the number two pick. It would have been a little bit too much if they would have got the number one pick. I would have been like, all right, like that, some yeah. fishy's going on. You know it's, what I mean? Even number two is pretty, it, it kind of does suck. Rare. These guys had a winning season. In fact, they're the only team in the lottery that had a winning record. They didn't have a winning season last year. They had a winning combined record. Because for those of you who may be new to the league, how the draft lottery works is they take the last two seasons and throw that together. So it's the four teams in the lottery are the four lowest or the four teams that lost, uh, that didn't make the playoffs. However, the order of chances is based on your combined record from the previous two seasons. So for example, Indiana over the last two seasons went 11 and 57. They were not good. Minnesota went 36 and 32 because even though they did really poor this last year and they went 14 and 22 last season, they were the number three seed going into the playoffs. So they've had a winning record over the last two seasons and now they're coming away with the number two pick. It's kind of wild. Atlanta comes in with the number three pick and then Washington actually has the number four pick because they, uh, they picked it up from Los Angeles via Atlanta, if that makes sense. So Atlanta, um, Atlanta had the pick from Los Angeles, but then traded it to Washington. So Atlanta could have had the number three and four, but traded it to Washington. So if that makes sense. So that's who we've got in the lottery. Logan, let's go ahead and, and kind of stick around with Indiana just for now. Well, let's transition in to talk about some of these, the coaching carousel, you <laughs> could say, that's happening in the WNBA. Um, let's just stay with Indiana since we've been talking about, uh, talking about them anyway. The Fever hire Christy Sides as their new head coach. And, uh, so just a, a quick little run through on her. She was actually an assistant just this last season uh, with the Atlanta dream, which the Atlanta dream had a phenomenal start to the year. Uh, Coach Tanisha Wright really had Atlanta rolling. Obviously they didn't quite make it, but I mean, they were one game out from making the playoffs and we had arguments preseason about who was going to be worse, Indiana or Atlanta. And Atlanta was literally one game away from potentially making a playoff run. So Tanisha Wright's doing something well in Atlanta right now. And Christy Sides was an assistant there this, this, uh, uh, this last season. And she's also familiar with Indiana already. She was an assistant in Indiana from 2017 to 2019. So with that in place, Logan, your, your initial thoughts on this announcement, uh, coach sides getting, uh, getting that Indiana fever job. Uh, I think she's going to love having. Inksler and Smith and Boston all on the same defensive side of the floor. Gosh, Sounds I very much defensively what that, what <laughs> it, that means. And Egbo too. Egbo yeah, yeah, had that's, so many blocks this year. I think that's going to be, at least she's going to attempt to make that the identity of this team. Uh, we're going to have to wait and see. 
but <laughs> there's some pretty elite scorers in this league, as you know. Uh, I'm very excited to see if they can live up to that. But that was her debut press conference was like, that's we're, we were the worst in the entire league in defensive rating last year, which makes sense because we've got essentially a college all-star team playing against seasoned pros and we got to change it. So I'm very excited to see. I don't know. There's a lot of coaches that come in and preach defense and, you know, we're going to be gritty and we're going to pick ourselves up off the floor and we're going to, you know, whatever. Um, doesn't sound like just talk though. I, the way that this team is made up, I think it's reasonable to expect them to at least be middle of the pack in terms of defense. Yeah, I'd agree. I think they're going to be one of the better defensive teams putting it together on offense. Still, you might be a year or two away with that, but I think, I think if, uh, if they can have some good defensive performances and really start to show what they're capable of there, they might be able to just go out and land, you know, uh, an outside shooter potentially that can come in and, and, um, and, and do some good work with that. What's kind of developing to be a pretty stacked front court for the Indiana fever. Um, I like this hire. I think it's going to be really solid, but, um, you know, again, there's, well, well, it's just a wait and see. I mean, Coach James Wade was kind of that same way. It was like, well, we'll see what he's actually going to do. And here he was, you know, not this pre, not this last season, but the season season before with a WNBA title. So there's a lot to be said about that. So we'll see what happens with Coach Sides. Uh, excited to see what happens there in Indiana. Um, if nothing else, she talk- brings much needed energy. And I know that that's like yes. a word that gets thrown around too much, but. You can't get a team motivated, especially a young team. You can't motivate a team to play four quarters of tough defense a night if you're laid back and silent on the sidelines. Like right. you, you have to be a go getter, and I, I think she's going to be that way. Agreed. Let's pop over to another lottery team. Let's talk Washington Mystics real quick. This one surprised me, Logan. Um, but at the same time, uh, I, I think it's a, it's a great time for this. Uh, coach Mike Tebow retires from the Washington Mystics as their head coach. However, he will continue on as the general manager of the franchise. Um, Eric Tebow, his son is now hired as the head coach with Latoya Sanders as associate head coach. So we're, we're excited because Mike Tebow deserves a nice retirement. I think he's so valuable. I'm glad to see that he's continuing to be involved with the WNBA and with the Washington Mystics because he uh, he's just done nothing but succeed and win basketball games there in Washington. Glad that he finally landed that elusive championship a couple of seasons ago. Um, so just a great time for him to retire, you know, take a little bit off of his shoulders Pass the torch, I guess you could say here. But yeah, Logan, I, I was a little bit shocked at this, but once the because it wasn't on my radar, but once the news broke, it made a lot of sense to me. I w- I'm wondering what your uh, what kind of your reaction was to that news. <laughs> well, initially, I thought of all the 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 coaching changes that are happening this off season, this is actually I didn't know this job was going to be one of the openings, but this is one of the more desirable places I think to be. Yes. Like you said, they're, they're a lottery team. There are some other teams that got new coaches that were in the playoffs this last year, but not exactly leaving the cupboard bare with Elena Deladon and Ariel Atkins and Tasha Cloud and Alicia Clark. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. There's, I think he's going to be some fine. Good players there. Yeah. Uh, and that's with Deladon. I, you know, 
we never know how much we're going to see of Deladon, but I hope that she plays more this coming season as she continues to hopefully be on the mend. Um, I know they, they really had to limit her last season in order to keep her out there, but, uh, yeah, this, this is probably going to be the most seamless of transitions. It, it doesn't sound like passing the team from Mike to Eric is going to be like a particular shock to the organization, the locker room. Like I, I don't, I don't expect that this came as a surprise to anyone who was in the know. Um, right. So hopefully that means that the handoff is pretty easy. No, I agree, and I do, I do think that this is one of those more desirable jobs. It's got a great mix of veterans and young, promising players. Uh, you know, you got Shakira Austin who had an outside shot at winning rookie of the year this year. Shakira Austin transitioned very well into the WNBA. You got some other young players on. Uh, on the squad, you know, you, you've got, uh, uh, Heinz Allen, who's only been around for, for four years. Ariel Atkins only been around for four years. Um, those are some young players that have enough experience that they're coming along. Then you've got vets like Alicia Clark. Obviously you mentioned Deladon, um, Elizabeth Williams also in the front court there. Well, and it's this not is a, like this is a strong team. Like he, he is stepping away, but as the GM, it's not like he can't still pick up the phone and call someone and be like, come play for me. Like I'm exactly. not the coach on the sidelines, but like Eric is, and you know what our organization's about. Like he still holds sway for the mystics. And I think that means something. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think, well, and the thing about coach Tebow is he has such an eye for talent I love that they picked up Rui Machida out of Japan. Yeah. She was kind of a revelation this season, you know, coming in. I don't think a lot of teams are willing to take a shot on a five foot four international player. Uh, but man, I'm, I think the Mystics are pretty glad that they did. Uh, so he's got that eye for talent. I think having him to continue to work in that front office is going to be big, especially, um, with the close relationships that he has, obviously with, uh, with the new head coach, Eric and Latoya Sanders. I think this is going to be a good, um, this is going to be a good move for Washington, uh, with some continuity moving forward. And hopefully we continue to see some, some good results out of the Mystics in the coming years. Um, let's keep talking about some more coaches. Um, Dallas finally has a new head coach. Excited to announce <laughs> that Latricia, Latricia Trammell has been hired. By the Dallas Wings. I'm laughing this another... because this is their like third hire in I think five <laughs> years. Yeah. It, there has when we talk about continuity with the Washington Mystics, the opposite has been the case with Dallas. They've had nothing but um, you know, their they've had their franchise, the face of their franchises, uh you know, players move on, three different head coaches in five years. But now we have Latricia Trammell, who uh, I actually do. I think very highly of Coach Trammell. I'm excited to see what uh, what what she brings to this um, what she brings to this uh, Dallas Wings franchise. the The Wings. The thing with the uh, with Coach Trammell, she's she's a very defensive minded coach, and I think that's something that Dallas really needs to focus in on. They've got some great scorers in Arike Gumbawale and um Marina Mabry and you know like they've got some really solid players but when you have when you've got some players like Tierra McCowan, you know, out there, you should be better defensive player than or better defensive team than you were this last season. And I hope that Coach Tremel is able to come in and, and shore that end of the floor up for the Dallas Wings. Uh what are your thoughts, Logan? 
Yeah, um, I'm always intrigued by whatever Dallas is doing because it seems like they're doing something new every year. Um, but the, <laughs> the one consistent thing that they try to do is they try to get the Enrique formula to work. Right. Uh, as always, I don't think it's going to. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like Dallas. I We're going to Dallas. I want Dallas to be good. Um, I like a lot of their young players, as you mentioned. The the Sobley, Gray, Mabry supporting cast, uh, along with Tierra McCowan, is is certainly strong. Um, but boy, I, I think she's... Enrique Gumbawale is just one of those scorers who could be absolutely nuclear and you still might lose the game or disappear at a moment where you really need just a bucket. Um, and it's it's hard to win when that's your A1 all the time. And that's just true for every basketball team I've ever seen who tried to win with uh, a Carmelo Anthony or... I don't know. I there's I, I'm not coming up with enough examples right now to back up this point, but I feel like it happens a lot. Just dynamic scorers who like need they actually need like another superstar next to them in order to really get the team to go anywhere. Um, mm. It still makes her an elite. I mean, she's been the WNBA scoring champion multiple times. She's an elite player in the league, but maybe Tramel is the one that can come in and make the formula work. Maybe not. <laughs> I don't want that to loom over Dallas Wings fans in the offseason, but I think even they kind of recognize that uh, I, it's it's hard to initiate a teardown and be like, oh, we have all this great young talent. We've been drafting well for years. Let's start completely over. Hard. It's hard to do that. But yeah. you don't you don't want to trot out the same group every year and then be a, a one and done in the playoffs every year. To their credit, they made the playoffs the last two years and I think did well. I, I can't remember who they played in the first round. Now they pushed someone New York. Yeah. 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 And it's like, I'm happy that they're good enough to be interesting. Right. But they need to be more than interesting to go to you. You, the last thing you want, and this is coming from a fan of an NBA team who's done this for 20 years. The last thing you want is to be just good enough to make the playoffs, to keep the belief alive, but not good enough to ever really contend. It's just endlessly frustrating to not know where expectations belong. Um, yes. That, that's coming off as kind of a sour thing for the Wings, and I don't mean it to be that way. I think this is a good hire. She was an assistant with the Sparks. She's got good experience. I I think they've got a good group there. Maybe just a change in tone is all they need, but we'll have to wait and see on them. Yeah. No, I'd agree. Um, let's chat. Uh, let's chat. One last coaching move, and that is Kurt Miller leaving Connecticut to go take over what was a dumpster fire in the L.A. Sparks. Um, what do you what What is your take on this? I feel like Kurt Miller has won so many games and has been so close to a title in Connecticut. Um you know, I, I feel like Connecticut year in, year out is just always right at the top of the of the pile. They're always fighting. They're always, you know, like a, a top three seed. They've made they've made deep runs in the playoffs. They haven't been able to get that elusive title. And you have to imagine you look at their core right now. They are they're a good team. I I was I mean, I don't know. Kurt Miller going to L.A. I, I didn't know what to think. Obviously bringing in free agents to LA is drastically different than bringing free agents into Connecticut. 
But what do you think about this? Is Kurt Miller the guy to turn L.A. around and sure. bring them back to winning ways? Look, there's there's not a lot of coaches I would handpick to to take my team to a championship. If if I had my my pick of any coach on earth, I mean, there's not a lot I would pick in front of Kurt Miller. Um, right. I have a very high opinion of him. I think he's a smart dude who knows how to win at every level. And I think he knows how to manage a locker room of varying personalities and veterans and young players and all that. My, my confusion is more about what's going to happen to Connecticut than it is like, will Los Angeles be successful? I think LA is going to be super successful. I'm, I'm kind of banking on it. Actually, I'll be surprised if they're not. It's Connecticut that I'm left thinking, what does he know? Is, are they going to go through a deconstruction and a rebuild? Are, are they just trying to get a new voice in there to try and, Maybe they saw Vegas go out and get Becky Hammond and they were like, it worked for them because, you know, Lambeer was like doing a pretty good job, but you know, now they're, now they're champions. Maybe we need to go find a Becky Hammond, which I got bad news for you if that's the plan, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know what where Connecticut's head is at. And I suspect that it's probably going somewhere that Sun fans aren't going to like. Uh, we talked about this when the season ended. Um, and even in the championship series, we were like, look, if the sun don't get it done this year, you have to adapt at some point. You can't just keep, even if you know you have the horses to, to beat anybody on a given night, you can't run the same team out there four or five years in a row with the same coach and just roll the dice and hope that things land in your favor. You have to, you have to be proactive. Um, mm. so I don't know if, they were planning a big, you know, press the big red button and detonate the team. And I don't know if Kurt saw that coming and was like, I'm out. I don't know if they were like, we want to do the exact same roster, but we just need a new voice in the locker room, even though we love you. And then he's like, that's fine. I'm out. I don't know what the dynamic was there. Um, but ultimately, I think I feel better about L.A. for the next two to three seasons than I do about Connecticut. Mm. despite Connecticut having just had a tons of regular season success over the last couple of years. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think that the, I think the Sparks definitely have an opportunity to, you know, to turn some things around. Obviously they've got some, some good young talent. Um, they've got some of our favorite players on, on the squad, you know, obviously you've got Neka Gumake and Shanae Gumake. You've got some veterans there. But they've got players like, I think Jordan Canada is maybe one of the most underrated guards mm -hmm. in the league. I think she's, she's been in the league for four seasons and I think she might be someone who you really take a long, hard look at and be like, this could be a really solid building piece. Uh, Brittany Sykes as well. I think super underrated player. Um, I think you've got Canada, you've got Sykes, uh, the Agumakes, like, that right there, that's a pretty solid like starting base. Um, and you kind of move on from there. You you may have to take a look at okay, what do we do with a, a player like Kennedy Carter? What do we do with um, you know, Katie Lou Samuelson, who everybody seems to just trade around the whole <laughs> league, but is actually a really solid player. Lexi Brown, Ray Burrell, like there there's a lot of these players, Olivia Nelson, Olivia Nelson Adota, like there's all these players that you go, okay, like let's take a long, hard look at is this player the future of our franchise and bringing Kurt Miller in to make those calls, I think is, is the right place to go because he's going to come in and he's going to see a player, let's say like Lexi Brown, and he's going to be able to make a call. Do we keep her around 
um, and developer. And is she going to be a big role play, role playing, role playing piece for us moving forward? Or do we cut and try and get younger, you know, go, go and just build out of the draft? Or do we go to sign some big names right out the gate? You know, uh, I, I do think that they've, they've got a roster right now with, I think the most question marks as far, if I were looking roster, you know, top to bottom, who do I keep? Who do I try to move? The LA Sparks is really that that's that's how I feel about this team. I don't know where I where I really lock in, you know. I I have my own personal opinions, but I'm not I'm not I don't have the cred that Kurt Miller does. So I'm excited to I, see. I suspect and there. we will we will talk a lot more about this at the right time. I suspect part of the reason it was an appealing destination for Coach Miller is they're gonna have like they they have the cap space to go out and get two or three big pieces. If, mm-hmm. if those pieces are interested in going to LA, they can pay them the max. Um, cause they have almost no one on their books through. I think, I think Katie Lou Samuelson is their highest paid player for 2023, 24. So <laughs> that's crazy over even like a case. I don't think they're, uh, let me, I've got the spot track in front of me. Let me look it up. Neko yeah, Gumake yeah, is up. a protected. I think she's a protected free agent. Gotcha. Um, and Shanae Gumake is also a protected free agent. Hmm. Um, Brittany Sykes, so not on the books. Yeah. So, Everybody else so you're is saying like protected. who we've got. So in got terms of for sure, who's going to be in that locker room come the 2023 season. Um, it's Katie Lou Anderson and a, and a bunch of people who were rookies last year. <laughs> so <laughs> that's wild. They've, they've got that's flexibility. They, they've got a lot of, that's good. That's good. And then, and you gotta, and that, yeah, that doesn't here. mean those players are going anywhere. It just means they have sure, negotiating sure, sure. flexibility to get the right. team that they want around a coach who obviously knows how to coach. All right, man. I like that. They, I, I don't know. I, I, not off the top of my head. I didn't see any numbers that they threw, but, um, you know, if the sparks are serious, then yeah, you throw numbers around like like what uh, Las Vegas did this last year, and you see what it got them, you know, bringing home that title. So this is this is going to be an interesting uh, interesting season. Um, I think that's all the news I've got as far as coaching carousel goes. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to our next and last topic, Logan. This is the one that you and I have been the most excited to talk about because there's so much going on here. We gotta t- we gotta talk some college hoops real quick. Yeah, um, man. I don't I don't even know where to start. Let's just start calling stuff out. Like, cool. Can we can we talk Utah Oklahoma that happened yesterday? Yeah. Okay. Just, so can we start there? So Utah has fully that. committed to just not like they're they're either scoring in the paint or from the perimeter. They're, they're just like, we're going to a hundred percent. We're never shooting a mid range shot. And they ended up putting up 120 plus on number 16, Oklahoma. <laughs> yes, yes. So it worked fantastically. We knew they were, I mean, okay. So Utah comes into the year, I think on anyone's either they were on like your top 25 or like, you're just, just barely outside of the top 25. Like they were on the radar, but they creamed Oklahoma and it sort of feels like not a performance that. That was a fluke. Like, I think they actually are going to do some stuff in the Pac-12 because Stanford's the big dog in the Pac-12. And then there's a bunch of other teams that are just like good and interesting, but not Stanford. And Mm -hmm. of those teams, Utah has the best chance at beating a team like Stanford because they can hit from the outside and they can score efficiently. And maybe they won't be as bothered by the height 
that they have to deal with with the Stanford front court. So that's intriguing to me. They don't play Stanford till the end of January, so maybe they'll fall apart before then. I don't know. Um, but that's a fun place to start for sure. I know a lot of people probably are like Mountain West or uh, Pac-12. They're not the Mountain West. Pac-12, why start there? But uh, they, yeah, be on the lookout for Utah to be on the rise for sure. Yeah, I think I think they're definitely a team to watch right now. They've looked as good as just about anybody. Um, they've scored just a ton of points. Just they've they've just scored nonstop. They're in the upper nineties in every single game, and then yeah, dropped one hundred and twenty four against Oklahoma. Um, my high school, one of my high school best friends, that he and I played basketball all the way through our senior years together. Um, he's actually the play-by-play caller. So shout out to Tyson Ewing. I, I know he listens to the pod, um, but he sent me some, some interesting stats. He said um, last night against Oklahoma, um, the Utes shot, uh, they had 39 points from behind the arc. So that's 13 threes that they hit 21 points from the foul line and then 62 points at the rim. So 62 of these 124 points, exactly half of them were literally at the rim, either layups or, you know, putbacks just right there at the rim. That's impressive. That's impressive for, uh, for this squad. For example, and who led the, who led the way in rebounds for this team is a, a sophomore guard, Kennedy McQueen, who also I got to give like a little shout out there. Kennedy McQueen, she's a 5'10 guard. She actually grew up just really like down, like the next town over. From a tiny little town that I grew up in, Utah. She grew up in Hennifer, Utah. There is, there's nothing there. There's, it's not, there's not a gas station in this town. All right. That's where she grew up. That's how small it is. There's not a gas station. It's a little cluster of houses called, it's Hennifer, Utah. And she, she went to a little 1A tiny school, North Summit. Well, I don't know if they're 1A or 2A, but she wrote literally just right down the street from me. She's leading the charge. Uh, as a sophomore guard here, dropping 21 points and nine boards against the number 16 team in the nation. I'm just saying Utah is a team to watch for. This is a good, good squad. Uh, Logan, that was my, that was my game. I wanted to, to hit immediately. <laughs> who, what, what, who do you want to hit next? Uh, let's, I, I want to talk about a pair of teams that are from the same conference that I think are going to contend for the conference and that's Ohio State and Indiana. Let's go. Yes. Um, those are two teams that if you read the preseason top 25 that we posted on WNBNation.com, you know that I was a little bit higher on than I think a lot of people. Um, they both have some good wins early in the season. I, I like, I mean, Indiana had, I think in what I would consider an early exit of the, to the bracket last year because I had them going to like the final four and beating UConn and everybody made fun yeah, yeah, of me yeah. for it. Uh, they had a bunch of players leave that team. They're still really good. And I think people still need to be in on them. They, they can hit from everywhere and transfer Sarah Scalia. Did I pronounce that right? Um, yeah, I think so. I think she's a difference Scalia. maker. Um, and because this is a two parter, I don't want to spend too long on either one of them, but Ohio State, obviously. Um, oh, who did they get the win over? That was important. Tennessee. They beat number five Tennessee in their season opener by 12. Yeah. Ohio um, State. Yeah. I really, I don't think that means Tennessee is fraudulent. I do think it means that Ohio State is going to, they, they did damage in last year's tournament and then didn't really get credit for it because they were kind of unceremoniously, uh, dismissed in the, I think, Sweet 16. Right. Um, 
but they they're another one that I think uh, anyone who's expecting anyone to march through that conference and unanimously be like, oh, it's going to be Iowa's conference again, blah blah blah. You need to pay attention because Ohio State is legit, and they I mean they were in the mix late in the season last year. Uh, the Big Ten is just it's going to be kind of a bloodbath. So uh, I'm really excited for it. Uh, I, I think the Big Ten is actually one of the, it might be the conference I'm most interested in watching um, teams move up and down over the, this this November slate is always weird because some teams start 4-0, but they don't play any team you've ever heard of before. And right. then other teams start like 2-1, and but they've played three ranked teams and you're like, they're, you know, they're for real. So Take caution, but uh, those two teams, I'm just, I'm very high on. I think those wins were legitimate. I don't expect them to fade down the stretch after one marquee win early in the season. Um, those are the two that I wanted to make sure that I, I touched on. There are there are two or three other things that I want to make sure we touch on, but I want to bounce it back to you for your your next take. Um, the next take, I, I got to give a quick shout out to a game that we just watched the end of Kansas state yes. taking out Iowa. And here's the deal with Iowa. Iowa actually is kind of an intriguing team because they did just drop this game to Kansas state and Kansas state's they're no slouch. Kansas state's a really solid squad. Um, they're three and zero right now with wins over uh, central Arkansas, which I know you ah. got some love for, um, but they also got a big win over Wisconsin um, before upsetting number four, Iowa. So I really do think that this Kansas State team, you know, obviously Ayoka Lee had to miss, you know, the whole season. I had her very high on my uh on my projections as far as uh seniors to watch for for this season. She's out and uh she's out with injury and she's basically mentioned she's coming back for the next season. She's going to take that medical red shirt um and come back for the the 2024 class. But even without her, they're three and zero with this big victory, and Iowa doesn't look as dominant as we initially thought. Well, and we we knew defense was a problem. Nobody was like they're going to march. You know, we, like a lot of the Iowa love is related to Caitlin Clark love and just loving how many points they can put up on a given night when everyone's feeling it. But we knew like if the defense isn't there, there's some teams that can hang with them. That was kind yeah. of their problem last postseason as well. Yeah, and that's what's that's what's interesting is is they dropped this game to Kansas State literally days after having to go to overtime with Drake, and you know that's that's not a strong start for the Hawkeyes, you know to be they were three and zero heading into tonight with a real scare against Drake, and you'd hope that that scare kind of wakes them up, but you know they they dropped this game to Kansas State. Um, I don't know what the the significance of the Caitlin Clark injury at the end of this Kansas state game looks like, um, you know, can Monica Sazano continue to, you know, dominate and, you know, hopefully keep this team rolling. But um, yeah, I don't know this Iowa, this Iowa team Mm -hmm. might, might be in for, in for some troubled waters because they've got a game against Belmont, which they should take care of business, but then they've got Oregon state, NC state, um, at Wisconsin and Iowa State, like those are the next four games following this game with Belmont. And if Clark misses any of that time, those are some really, those are some big teams. Those are they've got yep. two top ten teams plus Oregon State, which you and I are both really high on. 
that's this is this might be a kind of a scary stretch for the Iowa Hawkeyes going forward. I, I think, and I'm susceptible to this too. I love how electric Caitlin Clark can be, and Monica Sinano. On, I mean, she's had a 36 and 11 night so far this season. Um, she can put up big numbers as well, despite how like March ready that team kind of looks. Cause that's exactly the sort of team that like can go deep on, you know, surprisingly, I don't think they've necessarily earned the right to be like a top four or five team in the country. Like, I don't know if they're a contender status type team just because they've got that one player. I'm mentioned this because, um, on ESPN's current top 25 power rankings, they are back to back with their, they have, um, uh, Iowa at number five and then they have Louisville at number six. And Louisville's almost going through the exact same thing. They've got Haley yes. Van Lith, who everyone in the country knows is one of the best scorers in the, in the league and kind of are struggling. They've got a new coach in Jeff Walls. Um, they, I think they did pull out the win against Belmont, but it was a struggle. In fact, that's kind of interesting that they have a common opponent with Iowa. So watch for that Iowa versus Belmont game on Sunday. Um, but they, they had to like, really push to get a narrow win over Belmont. They're still number six in the country because they're three and oh, and they were a final four team last year. And Van Liff is legit. No one's questioning that, but I'm kind of worried about them too. Um, they're, they're a team that I really need to see something from throughout the season in order to feel confident taking them deep again. Cause I can see a lot of people. In fact, probably a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are primarily WNBA fans. They might see their bracket this March and think, oh, Louisville was a number one seed last year. They made it to the final four. I'm sure they're good. Ben Liff is a stud. And then when they get bounced in the first weekend, it's like, what happened? Right. And right now, I mean, we're three games into the season. Yeah. There's three games. Not to, not to, go. to wax over Right now, yeah. <laughs> it kind of feels like if I had to pick someone to fall, I mean, Iowa and Louisville are not instilling confidence. Right. Uh, especially compared to the other teams at the top. Um, that's my only Louisville take. I, I know we always make UConn fans wait until like 50 minutes into the episode to talk about UConn. <laughs> I feel so bad, uh, because they're usually like the one A story for college women's basketball. I feel like we usually slate them at the end. They did get a big win against Texas. I think it's ridiculous that anybody had them ranked outside of the top four to start the season. Uh, right. I know the Paige Becker's injury sucks super bad, but, but AZ FUD. They're is yeah, stepping they're, up and yeah, they're easily in my contender category until they prove otherwise. Don't count them out just because of, uh, for any reason. Um, and they have another, uh, they have another top 10 matchup coming up. Who do they play? They play, um, let me look doo, 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 who can get there first. <laughs> Number 10 NC state. Yes. On Sunday. Um, so if you're listening to this before Sunday, first of all, the Sunday slate is massive. Um, because you're going to have UConn versus NC State. NC State's kind of a nice, like, like that's like a team that I don't know a lot about yet, but like they're ranked and we know they, they deserve to be ranked and they play a bunch of good teams at the start of the season. So it's like a good opponent to like use right. as a measuring stick. Um, and then you've also got your Stanford, South Carolina clash, uh, Sunday afternoon, which right. is going to be all eyes are going to be on that game. This so. is, this is a must, this is some must watch television. This coming Sunday. Yes. There's some big, big time games coming up. That Stanford, South Carolina game. I really do think that UConn, NC State game is huge. Um, that's a, that's a big, that's a big Sunday for women's basketball. Um, all right. Let's, uh, we, you just mentioned, uh, South Carolina. I think, I think it's only appropriate that we, uh, 
that we do take a look at what they've done so far this season, what they've got coming up. <laughs> they've got three, they're three and oh right now. Obviously they got that big game with Stanford coming up. Um, their most impressive win. Well, I actually, I think their most impressive win is they just beat Clemson by 50. Like that's impressive. <laughs> um, yeah, I know Clemson's South Carolina not a world beater. Both suffer from, we almost don't talk about how great they are because they're doing their job. They're, they're yes. whooping everybody they're playing and they, yeah. they even, they cruised past Maryland. Although I'm going to give that a little bit of a pass because Maryland didn't have diamond Miller for that game. That's obviously key for them. They have a really young new group of transfers, but regardless, South Carolina is handling business pretty easily early on. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's exactly it. You take a look at, you know, Clemson. I know they're not, you know, world beaters, but they were three and oh coming into this game. They took care of business. They were beating teams by 20 and 30 points. Uh, you know, that they should be by 20 and 30 points. And then South Carolina just absolutely destroyed them by 50. This, this South Carolina team's scary, bro. They are so good. They are so good. I, I just don't even, I don't even know. Stanford, Stanford is honestly, in my opinion, the only team right now that I think has the ability to really, to hang with them. And, um, Jeez, uh, I think this upcoming game is going to tell us a lot about both of those teams. Um, I, this is, yeah, South Carolina is I, just insane right now. We we've covered almost everybody that is like in my top ten still, and I I I will be uh, I'll commit to doing a, an updated power rankings this weekend. But there's a couple teams that I just want to like bullet point at you. Yeah, That's yeah, not yeah. the way to put it, but basically, like, tell me if you trust the following teams or not. First of all. The Texas Longhorns. Do you trust Texas? Um, as far as like being a front runner for the big, like for their conference for the Big Twelve, yes, I do. I don't think anybody else in the Big Twelve's like really turning my head yet. I still think they're probably my favorite, especially Baylor's battling a bunch of injuries right now. I think Texas is probably. I'm trusting them for the Big Twelve. Trusting them to go deep in March, probably not. Right now, this is three games in, but that's that's yeah. my like, well, early reaction. I'm, I'm asking about these two teams because these were the teams that people were like, can they elevate themselves to that Stanford, South Carolina level? People were talking about Texas that way. They were talking about two other teams that way, and I'll throw them at you right now. Uh, the Volunteers are one and two. They've lost to Ohio State on the road, and they've lost to number 12, Indiana, both teams that I love. Um, do you trust the Lady Volunteers? Um, I I guess I can't. Putting you on I do the think spot the Indi- <laughs> I do think the Indiana and Ohio State are better than people were giving them credit. But I ha- I was pretty high on Tennessee. I thought Tennessee was the one team that had a shot to make a run in the SEC. You know, over South Carolina. I don't think they're in the same sentence. They're not in the same universe as South Carolina right now. That does not mean they can't get there. But right now. When they've had opportunities against lesser opponents like your Ohio States and Indianas, they're getting they're getting beat and not it's you know Ohio State it wasn't that close so yeah I, I don't know if I can trust Tennessee they got to prove they got to prove it me yeah, got to prove me wrong I'm the same way with Tennessee I'm a little nervous they have a December fourth matchup at home against Virginia Tech who I think is climbing um if they lose that virginia tech game that'll be three losses to ranked teams in the first month of the season and we're gonna have to have a, a hard conversation about tennessee uh yeah. the last one that i wanted to throw at you and, and you're a good sport for letting me just like toss these at you um because that way i don't have to 
say anything definitive about them, but <laughs> that's um, right. You can, LSU, you can tweet, you can tweet me at least, uh, as of tonight, maybe right. not when this episode LSU comes out. LSU 4-0. Yeah, 4-0. <laughs> they, they haven't really played anybody, but they've beat, they've scored 100 plus every single game. They've allowed 50 or less every single game. Um, so their, their margin of victory feels like, well, yeah, they're, they're playing kind of cream puff teams, but they're also doing exactly what you're supposed to do when you're an elite team. Uh, they will continue to play an easy, easy schedule until I think Oregon State is their first real like game. Um, and it, I mean, they, they could easily cruise through the first half of their schedule until like mid January. Do you trust LSU's 4-0 record as indicative of they're really great and they're doing their job against bad teams? Or is this a little bit fraudulent? Um, no, I, I think they're, I think they're the real deal. I, I think the LSU's, I think they signed some really incredible, um, talent in, you know, the transfer, transfer portal. I think LSU is a team that really could do it. I think LSU's for sure ahead of Tennessee in my book. LSU's moved up to number two in the SEC behind uh, South Carolina for me. So I, I do, I do think LSU, I mean, so far, again, they haven't been tested yet, but you can only play the teams on your schedule. You can't do any more than that. And they've passed all of that test. So I got to trust them. Yeah. I feel pretty much the, the same all the way down. I, I know we, we should talk about this more because we're going to have the interview episode out sometime around this episode, but obviously missing Horston is hurting Tennessee and they've got lots of season left to get her back. She's day to day with an injury, so it shouldn't be too much. Um, and a, a lot of these things are going, to, I mean, the reason that we do like a weekly or bi-weekly power rankings is there's going to be, there's going to be shifts throughout the season. Sorry, every time I click into a new tab on ESPN, it plays a video really loudly through my earphones. Um, <laughs> but that, that's that's the early takeaways, and I agree with you. I I think LSU and Angel Reese is a like that's that's a combo that I certainly think you can expect to see making a deep run. Um, but I really would like to see them play against some of the upper echelon teams before I, I feel more confident in that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I trust them, but yeah, it's, we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, Logan, I think that's all the, the major NCAA, uh, hits that I've got. Oh, unless so you've got anything else. I mean, there's, oh, there's one more that, week. Oh yeah. 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 What, I what are we missing? love Creighton and I'm not afraid okay, to admit yes. it. <laughs> okay. I'm glad you remembered that. We did talk about that. Cause, off, cause off you think mic. about, you think about the big East, you're not, people don't even think about the big East. They just see UConn and they're like, UConn's played some good teams. They're really good. And then you just don't think about the rest of the conference. Right, right, right. I love Creighton. They are <laughs> one of the 25 best teams in the country. I, I had them at 25 on my preseason list and I only had one thing written under them. And it's basically like, is are they legit or not? Like, is it for real or was it just kind of a, a miracle run last year? They're re- like they're good. They're so good, <laughs> and I'm excited to to see if they continue to be good because I think they know that they're good. I man, I gotta agree. Creighton Creighton owns Nebraska right now. They're out of Nebraska, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, that's a okay. You are correct. <laughs> Creighton is the Nebraska basketball team. Like they, they're so good. I love what they've done so far. I think that they, I think they could 
really be that surprising team that that ends up going back. You know, we've seen we've seen teams do this in the past. We've seen your DePauls, your Middle Tennessees, you know, in years gone by that have you know been really surprising and obviously have you know big names that go on and and do well in the in the WNBA and whatnot. That that could be the case for Creighton right now. Creighton is that you know quote unquote mid major, even though I know they're in the ACT there or ACC ACT. Um, the ACC, like I feel like they they traditionally have been that kind of mid major type of school, but I like them a lot in this uh, in in the Big East and in this season in particular. They have been definitely turning some heads, and they've got my attention. Okay, Logan, that was a long episode, dude. Yeah, we a, went an hour. That's, yeah, that's... we went an hour. <laughs> we knew, and here's the deal: we knew <laughs> we've been we've been doing so much with these uh, kind of behind the scenes. I know we haven't got as much content out uh, podcast wise. We've done a lot behind the scenes of uh, getting things set up. Um, we've been coordinating a lot of these interviews. We also have uh, you know some big. You know, personal news that, uh, that's been happening in several people's lives. Um, good things that are, that are happening that, you know, have caused us to not have recording studios at certain points and different things like that. So, um, overall, it's been a lot of fun. We're very, we're still engaged, connected with all things WNBA and obviously NCAA ball. Stay tuned. Logan's got some blog posts coming out. I've got an updated, uh, I'll be, I'll be updating my seniors to watch list and have that out on WNBANation.com as well. So stay tuned there. Again, please connect with us. Follow us on TikTok. It's at WNBA Nation Pod. That's where you're going to be finding us. Um, I think we're going to set up an Instagram because why not right now? Um, but we're going to do that. And uh, and uh, hopefully we can continue to connect with each of you. Um, everywhere you can find us, you can subscribe to us on, on YouTube. We'll probably be posting more on there, too. We're finding uh, other avenues outside of Twitter that we're going to start pr- putting more content out there. So come connect with us at Pod on TikTok is the best one right now. And, uh, yeah, we will uh, we'll, we'll chat with you all later. But for WNBA Nation, I'm Kyle Haywood. I'm Logan Jones. And we got you next time. No, I'll see you